Okay, let's pray, and then we're going to open up God's Word. Thank you for the outpouring of your presence that comes when we set our hearts upon Jesus Christ and seek you in song and in truth and for meeting us this morning. Lord, thank you. And I pray now as we open up your word that you would pour out a fresh work of your spirit, that we would say yes to what you taught us, Jesus, that we would trust you, that you would work these things into our hearts even as we're studying them this morning. And just let this be a rich time. Help me to be clear. Help me to be in sync with your word, I pray. So come and do a powerful work, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're studying the Sermon on the Mount verse by verse. We want to understand what Jesus taught and live what Jesus taught. And so if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand because we want you to be able to have one you can look on with as we dig in. This morning, Matthew chapter 5 is where the Sermon on the Mount starts, page 809 in the Bibles that we're passing out. Jesus taught something that's really shocking when you first hear it, and that he says that, that the love that we, his followers, will have for each other, and the unity that we'll have together will be so deep and so strong that when people who don't know Jesus see it, When they see our love and they see our unity, they will be shocked. They'll think, where does this kind of love and unity come from? And as they see this Jesus work in our hearts, they, Jesus said, they'll be persuaded that there is a God, that God came to earth in the person of Jesus, and that they will be persuaded that they need to put their trust in him. And so that's why a huge part of our vision here at Mercy Hill Church, both here at Sunday morning gathering and in our new home groups, like Brandon mentioned, three new ones, Both here Sunday morning and in our home groups, a huge part of our vision is to nurture that unity and nurture that love and nurture that closeness so that when we invite people in who don't know Christ, they will be blown away by the level of love and and devotion and care and serving of each other and they'll come to faith in Jesus Christ. So we're passionate about that. But now, that level of love and unity will only happen if we do what Jesus teaches in the seventh beatitude. Let's take a look. We've got the beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 10. Let's read them all. And then we're going to focus on the seventh, which is in verse 9. Can we see that there? Is that more clear this morning? Okay, I remember last week I heard that it wasn't quite... Can everybody read that? Okay, oh, it's, a little, it's better. We're working on it. All right. Start in verse 3. Here's what Jesus taught. The first words of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So here's eight Beatitudes. We've covered the first six. This morning we're looking at the the seventh. Let's read it again. Here's what we're focusing on this morning. Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Are you a peacemaker? Hey, what is a peacemaker? 
Well, it's not that complicated. A peacemaker is someone who, when people are experiencing quarrels or conflicts, a peacemaker does what? Works to bring peace. Okay, And so a peacemaker is somebody who, with everybody he or she meets, we're trying to, to help people overcome their conflicts and, and come into unity and love. But most commentators, talking about this passage, think that Jesus is especially here focusing on helping believers to come into peace. So when there's conflicts amongst believers, us here, people who love and trust Jesus in our home groups or in this kind of a setting or wherever it might be, when there's conflicts amongst believers, peacemakers are men and women who will help believers come into unity and love, overcoming their conflicts, their differences. And so I just summarize it this way. It means helping believers overcome their conflicts so they experience love and unity. Now, are believers going to have conflicts, though? Yes, they will, okay? Wish it weren't so. In heaven, there will be no conflicts. But the reason that there will be conflicts is that even though we've put our trust in Jesus Christ, he's poured out total forgiveness for all of our sins, he's broken the power of sin in our hearts, and he's changing us, none of us this side of heaven are free from sin. We will be. We're longing for that day. But this side of heaven, we still have sin in us. And so got to break the news to you, gang. In your home group, there will be times when you are hurt by other people. In this setting here, there will be times when you're disappointed with other people. There will be times where people say things that are insensitive. We don't want it. We try to work against it. You know, we want to help not, not do that, but that will happen. There will be conflicts and quarrels between believers, which is why we need to be peacemakers. That's why he calls us to be peacemakers. We need to help people in the body of Christ who are in conflict, having divisions, overcome those and come into unity and love together. That's what a peacemaker does. I thought of it like this. Um, There's a creek right near my house where I walk. In fact, Dean and I were walking there yesterday. And uh, there's red-tailed hawks that that, that live in that area. And you know what hawks do? When hawks are up flying in the sky and they see like a little squirrel or a little mouse, they'll zoom in on whenever they see one and they'll make it into dinner. Right? Isn't that what what hawks do? Peacemakers are just like hawks. Whenever we see in the body of Christ uh, quarrels or conflicts or difficulties, God stirs our hearts and we zoom into that to see if we can help make that into unity and make that into love instead of a quarrel or a conflict. So that's what a peacemaker is. Somebody who helps believers overcome their divisions, their hurts, their, their bitternesses, their unforgiveness, and come together into love and unity. So why is it so important to be a peacemaker? This is just amazing what Jesus says. It's very powerful. Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Okay, now in the Greek language, sons of God, they're, it's meant generically. He's talking about both sons and daughters of God. And so here's what Jesus is saying. If you're not a peacemaker... And you're not a son or a daughter of God. If you are a peacemaker through trusting Jesus, then you are a son or a daughter of God. That's why it's so important to be a peacemaker. Because it's only peacemakers who are called sons or daughters of God. What does it mean to be a son or daughter of God? Let's unpack that a little bit. This is absolutely huge. This is like beautiful to think about. You were created by God. You know, God created you, right? Okay, you were created by God so that he could be your loving father. You could be his son, his daughter. He could care for you, love you, protect you, guide you, provide for you, strengthen you, satisfy you. He created you to be his son or daughter. But what have all of us done? 
We've all turned our backs on God, rebelled against God. Even though we might look good on the outside, in our hearts we're distant from God on the inside. And so we've lost the privilege of being God's sons, daughters. God's just because of our sin, punishment comes. It's, it's, it's eternal hell is what people are facing who've rebelled against God. And so we've lost the privilege of being God's sons or daughters. That's what we've all done. But now the, the beautiful message of God's word and what Jesus taught so clearly is that God doesn't stop the story there. God loves us. He cares about us. He has compassion for us. And he's made a way so that you could be forgiven for all of your sins, have your heart changed so you turn back to him, and then experience him as your father so that you can be his son, his daughter. He adopts you into his family. How did he do that? How how does that happen? It's through what Jesus did on the cross. We talk about this every Sunday. Okay, This is the gospel. This is the foundation of the whole thing. Jesus came to earth. God came to earth in the person of Jesus died on the cross, paid for our sins. So the moment you turn to Jesus and say, forgive me, I want to turn to you, help me, change my heart, the moment that you do that, everything changes. At that moment, you're experiencing God as your Father. He pours his love into your heart. You feel his forgiveness coming upon you. You feel the guilt lifting off of you, and you know him as your Father from that point on. He's your loving, caring, compassionate, providing, guiding Father. So how do we become God's sons or daughters? A little quiz here. How do we become God's sons or daughters? By trusting Jesus. Okay, are we all really clear on that point? He died on the cross so we could be forgiven, hearts changed, restored, reconciled, adopted by God. So how do you become a son or daughter of God? By trusting Jesus. Okay, but then why does Jesus say that it's peacemakers who are going to be called sons and daughters of God? I thought you all just told me it was trusting Jesus. But here he says it's peacemakers, which is true. Both. Okay, here's how it works. When you trust Jesus, God goes to work and changes you to become a peacemaker. And so it's the peacemakers who are the sons of God because everybody who trusts Jesus is a son of God and everybody who trusts Jesus becomes a peacemaker. Both are true. But here's the big question. You could read this. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called sons of God. And you could think, okay, I've got to be a peacemaker today. And so by your own willpower, by your own energy, by your own effort, you try to be a peacemaker thinking, I'm going to earn being a son or daughter of God. Will that work? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling very confident about your, 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 your response here. That will not work, Okay. Because the only way you can become a peacemaker is through trusting Jesus Christ. You start by trusting Jesus. He changes your heart so you start to become a peacemaker. And then because you're trusting him, you're a son of God. And he says peacemakers are sons of God because everybody who trusts Jesus becomes a peacemaker who's a son of God. Is that clear? Okay, I got to get Let's move ahead now. All right, so that's, that's why it's so crucial to be a peacemaker. Everybody who trusts Jesus becomes a peacemaker. How does that work then? How does trusting Jesus change me into being a peacemaker? Now again, the order of the Beatitudes is absolutely crucial. Okay, They all start with the first two. Faith in Jesus is how you could summarize the first two. But let's let's walk through these. It all starts with being poor in spirit. We, We live before Jesus as those who have no righteousness in ourselves. We are relying entirely on him. 
his death on the cross, his perfect righteousness to forgive us and change us. And when we do that, the kingdom of heaven comes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God's power comes upon us and changes us in many ways, one of which is we then mourn for our sin. We see how we've ignored him, we've dishonored him, we've turned our backs on him, we say we're sorry, we trust you, Jesus, to forgive us, we trust you to change us, we trust you to help, come, help me. You trust Jesus, and when you do that, poor in spirit, mourning for your sin, they shall be comforted. Comfort is poured out upon you. Remember that day when you first put your trust in Jesus Christ and experienced God pouring his comfort into your heart? But it's not just something that happened back then that we look wistfully back on. We should live there every day. How has it been this last week? Coming before the Lord Jesus, poor in spirit, I have no righteousness to bring here. I need you to save me afresh. I need you, Lord. Being mourning for our sin, forgive me for yesterday's sin. Have you experienced God pouring his comfort out upon you this last week? See, this isn't just something we experience at the very beginning of our Christian lives. Every day we can come before the Lord Jesus, poor in spirit, mourning for our sin, trusting him, and then he pours his comfort out upon us. Pours his love into your heart. Pours his peace upon you. You feel the guilt lifting. You feel the forgiveness coming. You feel the presence of God satisfying. Every day we get to experience the first two Beatitudes. We live there. Now here's what happens. When you experience God's comfort poured out upon you, it impacts you in lots of ways. But one is, you will long. You will long to have other people experiencing his comforts. You will long to have your neighbors and your work associates, other people experiencing what it means to know and trust Jesus Christ. You'll long for that. And you'll know what's one of the ways they're going to come and, and see the truth of who Jesus? It's by believers being in unity and love together. That's one of the ways they're going to see Jesus taught us. So when you see believers in love and unity, you're going to love that because people are going to see who Jesus is, your neighbors, your work associates. They'll see Jesus and they'll come and trust him and experience his comfort. But what happens when people are in disunity who are following Jesus? When there's bitterness, when there's hurt, when there's separation? It dishonors Christ. It doesn't show lost people who Jesus is. And so it grieves you whenever you see division in the body of Christ. It causes you sorrow and you want to do something to bring people together so that Jesus can be displayed in our love and our unity and people who don't know him can be saved, can be brought to him. Does that make sense? That's how trusting Jesus turns you into a peacemaker. Just like when a car goes through a car wash, it comes out a clean car. So when you put your trust in Jesus, you come out a peacemaker. Just, it's, it's a process. Whenever you experience the comfort of being poor in spirit, mourning before Jesus, his comfort's poured out upon you, you will so long for others to get in on that comfort that you will love it when believers are in unity and it'll break your heart when they're not. And you'll do all you can to help them come into unity together. Does that make sense? Okay. It's kind of like this. When, when you become a follower of Jesus, you're given a little, like a, kind of like a, a Geiger counter. Geiger counters uh, measure radiation, right? Radiation's dangerous. So, you know, if, if you're hearing nothing else, and beep, 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 oh, there's a problem over here. Okay, when you become a follower of Jesus, you're given like a, not a Geiger counter, like a, like a, a, a bitterness counter, or a division counter, or a, a fragmented relationships counter. So, so, you know, if you, if you hear that somebody's angry against somebody else, beep, 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 danger, gotta do something here, the alarm goes off, gotta be a peacemaker. Or if somebody talks to you about how they, they've been hurt by this other person, you've got to deal with it. You've got you've like a division, like a Geiger counter that goes off whenever you get wind of any kind of hurt, 
bitterness, difficulty, anger, separation, people not caring for each other, and you want to do something about it because you're a peacemaker. Trusting Jesus changes us to become peacemakers. So how do we do that? I want to give you three situations and then give you some chance to to ask some questions in which we can be peacemakers. So I would guess that every one of us here has somebody in our lives that we could help, uh, we could be peacemakers with, help them become at peace in some way. So let me give you three examples and then we can talk about this and raise some questions. First one is, let's say that you are angry at someone. Okay? When you find that you're angry at someone. Let's say, for example, uh, you've been praying about buying a new car and you decided to buy a Camry and so you, you're sharing with your home group, hey, I've been praying for buying a new car and I bought a new Camry and God's answered my prayers and somebody in the home group says, Camrys are junk. <laughs> and of course, you're just like devastated. It's like you're humiliated. You feel disrespected. You're embarrassed. You're ashamed. Okay, and, and this, this anger starts to rise up, and, and, and the, the fellowship's been broken, right? And your little fellowship broken alarm goes beep, 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 and you've got to be a peacemaker here. So when you become angry at somebody else, you need to be a peacemaker to help that get, get resolved, okay? So what do you do? What's the crucial first step to take? Okay, see, again, it all goes back to the first two Beatitudes. We go right back. To become a peacemaker, you've got to start with the first two. The order of the Beatitudes is not random. Very intentional in Jesus', Jesus part. Very intentional. And so you take your anger to Jesus Christ. Just you and the Lord. You come before him. And you say, here I am. I'm poor in spirit. Help me. I'm angry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this. I'm mourning over my sin. I'm looking to you. I'm trusting you. Would you come? Would you fill me? Would you satisfy me? Would you help me? And see, when you pray that, when you come before the Lord Jesus in that way, I mean, you've experienced this if you're trusting Jesus Christ. He pours his comfort out upon you, and he will so fill you and strengthen you that the the pain of that humiliation is just swallowed up in the joy of knowing his love, the joy of fellowshipping with him, beholding his glory, worshiping him, and you will be filled. And because you're filled, you'll be able to, to forgive. You'll be able to let it go. You'll be able to, to just move on past it. So it might take some time. Okay, It's not necessarily instant. There's, there's a process going on here when you bring your angers to the Lord Jesus. But he will meet you and so fill you. Read Matthew 18 to see more about, about how that works. He will so fill you and so meet you that your anger will be diminished and your love will grow and forgiveness will be there. And notice, to... to to get stuff worked out with them, to get rid of your anger, you don't need to go to them. This is really crucial. You don't need to go to them and get, get something off your chest. You've already gotten it off your chest before the Lord. You're good. You're at peace. You're experiencing the Lord's love. What they did was wrong, but you're at peace because the Lord's filling your heart. Okay. And at that point then, you can ask the Lord, should I go talk to them or do I just let this go? And the Lord will give you wisdom as to whether you should go talk to them, not because you need to get anything off your chest, but to help them. To help them. And so you go to them humbly, and you might say, you know, could, could, we, just, could we talk about what you said about Camrys? You know? Um, that was difficult for me to hear. And, like, what was going on in your heart that would, that would stir that up? Or, you know, here, here's, here's how you should maybe 
think about how, how to share with, with you know, believers or, you know, or correct their view of Camrys or whatever it might be, you know. But, but you, you want to talk to them and help them grow in how to be part of the body of Christ. Okay, but again, you're not there to get back at them. You're not there to express your anger towards them. You've, you've, it's all been taken care of. You've brought this before the Lord Jesus and he's healed you. He's met you. And then he may call you to go talk to them. So that's how to make peace when you're angry at someone. We can come back to that if you want to. How about if somebody's angry at you? Okay, the first one was you're angry at somebody. How about if somebody's angry at you? So let's say maybe you said something that that hurt them. Maybe you did something that offended them. Maybe uh, maybe you don't know what it was, but you can tell things aren't good. You know, the look in their eyes, the the words or the lack of words, whatever it might it might be. The fellowship's been broken. So what? can you do? Now, first of all, if you know that somebody has something against you, you've got to do something. Remember, uh, we're going to read it in a couple of verses, Matthew chapter 5, later on in the chapter. If you're heading to the temple, if you're going to church, and you remember that somebody's got something against you, what does Jesus call you to do? Skip church. Skip church and get it worked out with them. Right? Why? Because it is such a priority because the unity and the love of the body of Christ is going to shine with Jesus so people will see his glory and come to faith. But when there's division and there's anger and there's hurt, Jesus is dishonored. No one's going to be drawn to Christ through that. It's kind of like this. If you're on your way to church and you gashed your femoral artery, you'd, you'd skip church and head to the emergency room, right? Okay, absolutely. Please do. Okay, <laughs> very important. All right. In the same way, if you're on your way to church and you realize that there's some division in the body, the femoral artery of the body's been gashed, the body is dying, and you should do all you can to get that taken care of. So it's such a high priority. I mean, think of Jewish people hearing Jesus say, if you're bringing your offering to the temple and you realize somebody's got something against you, put your offering aside and go to them and get it worked out. Wow! That's big. Very big priority. But see, we don't, in the body of Christ, especially in this country, in this culture, we don't do that as often as we should, do we? I mean, this is something I've been becoming more aware of in the last months. I need to do better at this myself. And we all do. It is such a priority because if we let divisions and anger and bitterness stay, the spirit is quenched. Jesus is dishonored. I was just last night, I was just praying and and I just, Lord, I, need, I want to read something that would just stir my heart for tomorrow morning. And I feel like the Lord just directed me to this big old orange book I've got, written in the 1700s, all about the spiritual armor. And I opened this up, and, and I'd gone about two-thirds of the way through the book, and the next page talked all about the important. I couldn't believe this, the importance of unity in the, body of, in the body of Christ, love and unity in the body of Christ, and how if that's not there, the Spirit lifts His work. <laughs> this is amazing. This is exactly what I'm going to be talking about tomorrow morning. So, if somebody's angry at you, what can you do? Okay, first step, go to Jesus. Remember, you want to be a peacemaker, it starts with the first two Beatitudes, trusting Jesus. You come to him, I have no righteousness in my own to recommend me to you. Bring your kingdom upon me afresh right now. I mourn for my sin. What have I done? Help me. Bring your comfort upon me afresh. And when you do that, he'll come and he'll strengthen you and he'll fill you and and you'll be strong. You'll be at peace. And then you can go to this person with a loving, gracious, merciful heart and say, have I done something? Have I said something hurtful? Have I offended you in some way? And then you just listen. 
Just listen and let them share. Maybe it's nothing. Okay, maybe it's something. Listen. And you may need to confess something. Oh, I'm so sorry. Or you're right, I, I did that and, and it was sin. I'm sorry. Or maybe explain something. Maybe they didn't understand something. Whatever it might be. But see, if somebody is angry at you, go to them. Listen. Learn. Explain. Confess. Tell them you love them. Pray with them. Say you want to be in love and unity with them. And pray together. And God will come. How blessed it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. One of the Psalms says it's like the oil flowing down from Aaron's beard. You know, Aaron must have had a really long beard because Aaron said, whoa, that's, that's an amazing thing. So if you know that somebody's angry at you, I mean, you may know of somebody right now here in this room, and you know, they're angry at you. Jesus wants you to go to them. He'll help you. First, go to him. Receive his comfort, his strength, his peace. You can be full of mercy. So you're secure. You can listen. If you've done something wrong, you can admit it. And then you become in unity together. And Jesus' glory will shine from that. Oh, listen. When people who are hurt come together and love each other and forgive each other, displays Jesus Christ. And people who see that level... In fact, if you've been hurt by somebody else, God can so work... Have you experienced this? God can so work so that your closeness after getting that resolved is even closer than it was before. And it'll display the glory of Jesus even more. So that's how it works when somebody's angry at you. Okay, one other example. How about when people are angry at each other? Okay, let's say you're, you're talking to Bill, who's in your home group, and Bill tells you he's really angry at George because um, maybe George ignored him at the last home group meeting. So Bill's just saying, man, George, you know, he just ignored me. He just kind of just totally shined me. I, mean, I was there, didn't say a word to me. I'm so mad at him. Okay? Now, what are we all, maybe not all of us, but me and many of us, what are we tempted to do at that point? We're tempted to, to, to like think, yeah, you know, I mean, you know what George did to me? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, get a load of this. And then, and that'll remind him of, oh, well, there's something else that George, that's right, he did this to me too. And, and ooh, there's this dark pleasure that comes from gossip, isn't there? Okay, so what do you need to do? How do you not go to that dark pleasure? It's by drinking in the superior pleasure of Jesus' comfort through the first two Beatitudes. So you come just back to the Lord. Here I am, poor in spirit, mourning for my sin. Pour your comfort out upon me. Pour your love into my heart. Show me your glory. And as you do that, you'll be filled. And you'll be so satisfied in Jesus' presence that the, that the puny pleasures of gossip are not interesting to you anymore. Okay? That's, that's the first step. And then what you need to do is you need to humbly but firmly encourage Bill, who's talking to you about how George has hurt him, you'll need to humbly and firmly encourage Bill that he needs to take these things to the Lord Jesus. Because Jesus will enable him to forgive George. That's what Jesus calls Bill to do, is to forgive George. Okay, so humbly and firmly encourage Bill to take this to the Lord Jesus First two Beatitudes, so that then Bill can become a peacemaker, okay, and can forgive George and can let it go. And then maybe Bill will need to go and talk to George and get stuff worked out. Maybe not. You don't need to talk about everything. It won't be to get anything off of Bill's chest. He's already gotten it worked out with the Lord Jesus, but he can go and talk to George and, and come into unity together. See, that's how to be a peacemaker. So somebody is, so Bill's complaining to you about how he's angry at George, and you say, you know, 
if we keep talking about this, this is going to cause dissension and division and it's going to quench the Holy Spirit. And you don't want that, I don't want that. Take this to the Lord or let's take this to the Lord together. I'll pray with you about this. Let's bring this to the Lord. Ask Him to heal your heart. Ask Him to comfort you. Ask Him to pour His love into your heart so you can forgive. And then we'll pray about whether it would be helpful for you to go talk to, to George about it or not. See, we are so used to when we're angry at somebody else talking to everybody else about it. But see, there's only one human being. If Bill's angry at George, there's only one human being who should hear about that. And who is it? George. The only one. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 18. George. Because if it's talked about in other places, then dissension is caused and division is caused and the body's torn, the fellowship is torn and Jesus is dishonored and the spirit's quenched and lifts. So if you are angry at somebody else, bring it before the Lord have him heal your heart. Have him enable you to forgive by pouring his comfort and his love upon you. And then ask him, should I go to him and talk to him or not? And the Lord will give you clarity about that. The smaller the issue, the less you need to. The bigger the issue, the more you need to. But you don't go to, to get back at him or to tell him how angry you are. or to, You just go because you want to help them grow and learn. Okay, so those are three ways to be peacemakers. All right, now, what questions does this raise up? Ian. Quick on the draw. I have two questions. Okay. So I'll do one each. Um, All right. So let, let's uh, talk specifics. We're having a big push not only for home groups, but also for teenagers, where we're getting really real. Yeah. Talking about what we're really struggling with. Yeah. Whether it be pornography or how to wife or what's going on at work, but it can also be things that are happening in the home group. Yes. Should we not uh, process these issues? It's a really good question. So you're in your DNA group, and uh, you've got a problem with somebody in the home group, or somebody's got a problem with you, and you want to talk about it, or should you talk about it in the DNA group? How many think you should? Okay. How many think you shouldn't? How many don't know? Okay. Um. Let me just throw something out and then somebody else can, can maybe add to it. I, you, you want to, whatever, if, if you're going to say anything, you want to say it honorably and with the least amount of details needed to help process it. Okay? I mean, if you don't know what to do, if you generally don't know what to do, then these are the brothers or the sisters you'd want to bring it up with. But you want to keep it as general as possible, right? So that the person's reputation isn't harmed. Are you speaking honorably about the person? Are you putting them in the best possible light? So I'm not sure that there's one answer to that that goes, you know, one size fits all. But my sense is your, your passion should be to be honoring to the people you're talking about, to, um, to not give any more details than is absolutely necessary, and to talk about it. I mean, your goal in talking is to find out what, what should you do. Okay, now somebody else. What would you say about that? Jerry. Let's get a mic over to Jerry. Certainly, <laughs> certainly the next step would be encourage them to take that to Jesus. Follow, follow these steps that you just covered. In that. Okay, that's good. You know, and then go and encourage them to go to the person rather than do it all at the Yeah. Even. Yeah. Good. So ha- have they taken it to the Lord? Have they have they received God's comfort so that they they've forgiven? And then they're free to say, you know, should they go and talk or should they not? I think that's, that's wise counsel. Who else is? Andrew. 
this, then Jesus ends up very proud of that. Okay. Right. Yes. Yes. Matthew 18, very clear. And you go to talk to them privately to protect the person's character and, and to keep it between the two of you. And then if it's your sin, then you've got to take that before the Lord. Go ahead. Then you bring someone else. That's right. And then it would be, be broader. So, so maybe, that, maybe that's a good way to put it. So, does this help, Ian? So has the person already gone to the person? This would be a good, just for any of our DNA groups, has the person already followed Matthew 18? And then, um, and if so, then, then maybe bring one other person in. Okay, other, other thoughts on that one? Justin. And also they keep it, like you said, very general. Well, there's no names. They talk about the situation at a very high level. Yeah. You're not dishonoring anybody in that circumstance. Yes. You outline, here's what the circumstance was. Yeah. I was a brother, and, um, you know, in my heart, I still have a lot of pride or a lot of anger. Yeah. Yes. Does that sound helpful? And is that... Okay, what was your second one, then? Yes, he does. The example you gave here in this third one was more of someone coming to you and wanting to talk about a third person. Yeah. You could also take this as being you're just an outsider, not even being spoken to. Maybe just observe something, or maybe have your feelers out there of, oh, I need to swoop in and just find any any circumstances that might be, you know, some disunity or discord. Okay. And so you're almost ah. extreme of being a busybody of trying to kind of swoop in and kind of okay. be in everyone's junk. Thank you. And that's not a good idea, right? Okay, good. I don't want to overstate my case, okay? My sense is that most of us need to work more. We already know of situations that we need to, 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 to be peacemakers in. But there may be somebody here where this is like a license to, to what? A license to, to sort of ferret stuff out, you know? And, and, uh, and so if that's your bent, don't do that. Okay, but it could be. All right. Chuck's got one. We'll follow up with that one and the previous one. Okay, thank you. One of the, hearts, the things that touched my heart this, about a week ago was that this church talks too quickly about Matthew 18. And I think there's another phrase to love one another. And I think Ian's kind of coming to that about don't just be a busybody and jump into people's lives. But I really think I've heard from the pulpit in the last two years. 20 or 30 expressions of Matthew 18, and that's a problem. Mm. So your sense is too much on Matthew 18 and not enough on loving each other. Okay, so love each other. Okay? I Please, if that's the impression that you're getting or if that's what I've said, um, then we don't, that, that would be a disproportion to what Jesus is talking about. Okay, we need to love each other. And uh, John 17, or John 13, 34, and 35, I think the Keener's group talked about this Wednesday night, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, you all sort of love one another. 
May this all people know that you are my disciples because you have love for one another. So that's really, let me just a couple more sentences on that. Um, Matthew 18 should only go into effect um, if you have, if you, if you love the person. And if there's, if there's, a, if there's an atmosphere of love here in our relationships, then Matthew 18 will just flow and it'll be right. It'll be, but if there's been no relationship at all or a relationship that's very brittle, it'll be awkward and difficult. So love certainly is the priority. Very good. I, I agree, Chuck. Love is absolutely the priority. Okay, now here's my challenge. Do you have someone, you don't need to answer this publicly, but I would guess most all of us have someone that we need to be peacemakers towards, either in terms of your own anger or their anger or people that you know of where there's anger. And let's be a church where we are peacemakers. Peacemakers, peacemakers, peacemakers. That's what Jesus calls us to do. Blessed are the peacemakers because they'll be called sons and daughters of God not because peacemaking is how you get saved, but because when you trust Jesus, you automatically become a peacemaker. And all those who trust Jesus are sons and daughters of God. Let's stand together. Let me pray this over us. Lord, thank you that when we come to you with these first two Beatitudes, you change our hearts. You change our hearts, we become peacemakers. Give me more of that. Give each of us more of that. And let us here at Mercy Hill have such love and such unity that your glory would shine and people would see, be drawn, and come to faith in Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.